Welcome back to the Muster Friday afternoon with Andy Muir, joined in studio by Graham Butcher, as we are every couple of weeks. Farm consultant, good afternoon, mate. Afternoon, Andy. But nippy, you're out there for September. Yeah, walking over from the office. At, um, yeah, not a day to do a lambing bee on top of a ridge, that's for sure. Yeah, you're only outside for 30 seconds yeah, getting exactly over here as right. well. Yep. How's things going from your perspective as we look at the middle of a season? I mean, we're looking at feed covers and the likes, and quite a bit going on, but. Generally, feed and um, all that's looking all right? Feed cover's pretty sound. Uh, the weather hasn't been too bad for lambing, other than today, it's a bit cool. Um, yeah, good start to spring. You can argue the start for next year's wintering for crops and that starts now. The planning starts or could have started even start of a year for a lot of people. I like to think ahead. But you've yeah. got to look at crops the next year now and you've got to think the best way to do things, don't you? Yeah, I think it's a good time to start thinking about what you're doing with winter crops. Um might sound early enough, but there's tractors out there now doing cultivate, doing sweet stubble and what have you, just turning it over. So it's coming around pretty quick. Um, as part of the these Fed Farmers seminars we've just sort of completed, we had, uh, did a bit of a talk about winter crop. Um, and the whole focus of those seminars was getting control of your situation, particularly in the financial side. And winter crop is expensive to grow, so you're talking fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a hectare. Yeah. Um, that's if you're fully cost your tractor time and you should um hour on your tractors you know it's worth quite a lot of money so i took an example of a 300 hectare farm pretty typical eight percent in crop is 24 hectares of crop and average crop 11 ton um so the autumn grass you have is 276 hectares which goes through to your spring cover 276 not spring cover your spring area to lamb on 276 hectares. So a bit of a what-if situation. If you grew 18 hectares of crop instead of the 24, um, your spring area goes up to 282 hectares. Um, and if you go through the sums, all you have to get on the additional pasture cover in the autumn on your 282 hectares is another 195 kilograms of dry matter of grass, which is should be easily manageable, right? So we've saved ourselves uh, six hectares of crop, um, 12, 15,000. Um, to make up or to have the same amount of feed in the winter as you would have with a bigger area crop and a lesser area grass, all you need is another 195 hectare, hectares, kilograms of dry <laughs> matter per hectare on your grass cover. And you've got exactly the same amount of feed to play around with in the winter. Now that something to think about when you're going round and round in your tractor uh, working up the ground um, I think it's an entirely manageable thing to do so think think hard about why you're growing the area of swedes you're growing and think about is it because you're not getting your autumn pasture covers right so you're you're making up um, it's not a mistake you're making up your um, lack of management I suppose about autumn covers by growing more swedes and that actually creates a problem in the spring because you've got less grass uh, and, and the whole thing can build up on itself and it, um, you can find yourself growing more and more swedes. You've got to, it's hard to step back on. You've just got to focus on that autumn grass cover and then decide how much swedes you need. Are you thinking grass wintering all year round is something that people need to consider? Uh, or is it horses for courses? There are farmers doing that in Southland still. Um, I think the big issue, we, we had a, back in the, oh, when was it, late 80s, early 90s, we had um, a big push on all grass wintering and a lot of people tried it. it. I think it failed because we had, we didn't have new grasses coming on board 
and it, the system slowly wound down because ryegrasses don't last forever. After five or six years, the yield drops away. So um, there are farms doing all grass. They're relying on projib, nitrogen, stuff like that. Uh, seem to be doing okay, but there's not a lot of them. And you don't want to have to take too many paddocks out of a rotation if you don't have to, I suppose, too. If you're no, it intensive. comes down to this having a big area to spread your ewes out on for lambing in the spring. Yeah. Um, so one of the other things we talked about at these seminars was um, thinking further ahead than what you're saying this year, thinking about next year, because um, the, the typical approach in Southland, I suppose, is yeah, um, at lead ground you get to plough out, work it up, get the lime on, sow your crop. That lime won't start working for six to nine months to drop the pH. It takes a while. We've got to be thinking a year ahead. So this year, when you get your lime sower in, um, think about where the crop's going next year and put the lime on there as well. You'll have a much better result because the pH will be sweet the time you sow the crop. A lot of people are thinking further ahead too and they've always make a mental note like this is this year, there's next year. That's mm. happening all the time now, isn't it? Especially as wintering changes. Yeah, I... I Lime takes a while to work. You've got to get it on early. And you could even you could take this whole process a step further. You could think about three or four years ahead about where you're going to put the crop. Those paddocks are probably starting to run out. They need renovating. Why don't we go in there, spray them off, direct drill in a clover dominant, even a pure clover sword, manage them for lamb feed, which is going to help with the autumn covers, taking pressure off the rest of the paddocks. By the time you come to... Um, work them up for Swedes, nitrogen will be really high in the soil um, and you'll, the whole thing just builds up on itself again. So we could think one year ahead but maybe we've got to think even further than that ahead. Is there a lot of kale still going out at the expense of beet? Being sown I should say? There's still quite a lot of kale being sown, yes. As opposed, like, Particularly second has, crop stuff. Has fodder beet reached its peak from your perspective just merely oh. on cost? No, difficult to say. I mean, fodder beet's really expensive to grow. You've got to get those high yields, and often those high yields are not there. Um, could be a bit of an issue. Well, there is a bit of an issue with protein on fodder beet. Um, it's not high. It's mostly carbohydrate. Um, not so much of an issue with maintaining ewes, I suppose, but if you've got hoggets or something like that, you like them to grow a bit. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's up and down, fodder beet. That's one of the bugbears of kale, though, I suppose. If you don't eat the crop off, you've got the stalk and everything having to work up. And well, just yes, creates a do. bit more of an issue yeah. as well, and there's a bit of a waste, as you Swedes can say. are a lot easier to fence than kale, too. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> a lot more mainstream. Hey, Graham, always good to get your musings on the muster. Have a good weekend. Jolly good. Thanks, Andy. Graham Butcher, farm consultant based here in Gore. Friday afternoon on the muster. We're going to France. We're catching up with Elliot Smith, commentator for Newstalk ZB, Gold Sport, as well as iHeartRadio. The All Blacks playing Namibia tomorrow. How are they looking? Makes 